You don't know because you lost your bones. You lost everything you had. Um, his balls wasn't feeling right. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught from murder. Anyway, skill horses uh, do not mesh with um, khaki pants. See, so these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. This is what makes it fun. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Hey, Jordan, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm doing really good. I just saw a house, and I think it's the dream house, so really hoping we pull that off. Guys, putting that offer in. Very amped about that, and I keep making mistakes with the recording equipment, so... That's how jittery I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys are looking for a place? Yes. In the house market, which is interesting. But yeah. So in in the route for that, things are good. Went to Idaho last weekend. How was Shout that? Shout out to Idaho. It was really cool, actually. Um, I can't speak for the whole state because apparently I was told it's a lot of nothing, which I believe. Yeah. But the southwest corner that we were in which i think is like prime ski country mm-hmm. was really awesome we went up there for a wedding yeah it was really pretty actually you guys know the um her sister pretty well right that was you guys went to Hayward yeah cassandra Bay? was like her her mentor when they were at the same church oh cool and um you said she knew her first technically yeah she technically knew her first and then haley which is funny because they live in haley idaho and cassandra's friend is haley yeah. uh shout out haley if you're listening i think you do every now and then she um, did work with the church together with Haley and mm-hmm. and they're they're real. We are all really good friends. So, was yeah. that Saturday or Sunday that you guys actually did the? Well, we left Friday night, ten hour drive. Wedding was Saturday, ten hour drive back the next day. Oh my goodness! So actually, eleven hour drive because and I was pissed about this. Um, so we do this thing where when Cassandra and I go to a state and visit a state together, we we find a magnet in the shape of that state Mm -hmm. and so the goal is hopefully eventually we'll have like a full united states on our fridge yeah eventually and we had been to oregon previously and i was like hey on our way back i was like let's just add and it's only an hour we'll add an hour to our drive swing through oregon because usually those gas stations on the border yeah of the state they'll have have all the little kind of yeah souvenir stuff you know so we do that we drive 200 miles through oregon not there was one gas station one and no other civilization just the one gas station through the whole 200 miles extra hour hour and a half drive through oregon they didn't have it and they didn't have that damn magnet (laughs) so i was pretty pissed about that but we got an idaho one there you go so yeah check one off the list yeah but it was cool (sighs) it was a cool trip uh yeah so that was my big 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 thing have you been up to anything Oh, just working, man. Just working. Did dinner with the mother-in-law last night. Went over some wedding stuff. We got our actual digital list as far as guests confirmed. So that's, we have a positive number, that's for sure. That's very helpful mentally. We did that. We pretty much confirmed what we want to do for the food, the wedding, the buffet stuff. So we're just, it's just step by step. Yeah, it's it's a process. Step by step now. But uh, other than that, yeah, pretty much just work and Netflix and chill. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's all I want to do right now. Yeah. So we don't have a name for him yet, but Anonymous Squatch, what have you been up to? So the same old, same old. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks, Squatch. I love it. Thank you, Squatch. We still don't have a name for him yet. Um, listeners, please, we, we need a name for the show's mascot. We're going to get some submissions going. We don't. Yeah, we need something good. So feel free to send them in. And that's at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And I believe I've got the story this week. Yeah, it's up to you, man. It is. And I'm doing... On your shoulder. <laughs> I'm doing mad scientists and i'm gonna call this actually mad scientist volume one because there's a lot of weird twisted scientists out there yeah so we'll probably do this like not all back to back but it'll be every once in a while Uh oh you started yourself a series yeah there'll be there'll be (laughs) there'll be another mad scientist one okay so volume one volume one and we're going to start out with a good one we're going to start out with jose manuel rodriguez delgado 
much better than that Italian episode. Four names? <laughs> Four names, yes. Come on. I feel like he, he like makes a grand entrance every time. Yeah. You know. I wish I had four names. I don't. That's too much to write. Forms yeah, don't I mean, have enough blanks for can that. You, can you imagine coming out to that announcement and then like, you know, like the dubs <laughs> it's floating everywhere? In the arms of Oh my god, an no. Angel. No, not Sarah McLaughlin playing. That ruins it. Sorry, Sarah McLaughlin, you depress me. <laughs> you depress me. All I think about is what is it, the Dying SPCA? Puppies? Yeah, yeah, the SPCA every time. Right? ASPC? I don't know. Whatever the acronym is. So let's give a little background <laughs> ground history on, on uh, Dr. Delgado. So he was born in Ronda in the province of Malaga, Spain, 1915. 1915 so okay. he received his doctorate uh, from the University of Madrid just before the outbreak of the Spanish Civil War. He's learned. Are you going to go in um, by date here? Are you going to go in? Are you, uh, N- not are intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might work out that way. Basically, we we're going to have two older ones, and then we have a newer one. Okay. So Cool. Dr. Delgado's father was an eye doctor, and he was planning on following in his footsteps. Uh, but when he discovered the writings of Santiago Ramon y Cajal, after d- he discovered Santiago's writings, he spent time with uh, physiology in a physiology laboratory, and he changed his mind, and he was captivated by the many mysteries of the brain and how little was known about it. So in 1946, Delgado won a fellowship at Yale in the Department of Physiology under the director John F. Fulton. And then in 1950... Rodriguez Delgado accepted his position in the psychology department, which at the time was headed by John Fulton. So Fulton was just giving him all kinds of praise. Okay, so he said he was born in 1915, or he so yeah, he was born in 1915. Okay, and by 1950 he's uh, he's working working at Yale. Cool. So he helped organize a a new medical medical school at the Autonomous University of Madrid. And Delgado accepted Palacis' proposal and relocated to Spain with his wife and two children. Delgado had last moved with his wife to San Diego, California before his death in September 15th of 2011. So he almost made it to 100. Wow. Okay, so so far he doesn't sound like, he doesn't sound so bad. They usually don't. In the beginning? There's a lot of them that it's, um, so when, when I chose to do this topic, I know everyone probably is expecting to hear about the Nazi and Japanese scientists during World War II, mm-hmm. which may come up later. Uh, I'm not totally taking it off the table. If that's what you listeners want to hear, just feel free to write me and tell me, and I'll, I'll totally do them in the next volume. That can be part two. Absolutely. Um, but I at least wanted to stay away from them for the first volume of this because I feel like everyone has heard of you know Himmler and, and the Japanese scientists that have they did the atrocities that they did during World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was trying to go for something a little more lesser known. But again, if you guys want to hear that, just let us know. And I'll totally make an episode around those guys because they did a lot of terrible, twisted, mad scientist things. Oh, yeah. Um, but for this one, we're going to be a little more obscure with it. Okay. Keep it keep it. Yeah. low-key. But these guys, so low-key mad scientists. because we're working with these, a lot of times, um, well, we're not just working with terrible people that work for the Nazi regime. Uh, they're going to be do their goods outweigh the bad th- things that they did because there are going to be some good aspects to their research and then some terrible things to, or weird things to their research that's fun so it's a yeah. it's a we gotta choose yeah we gotta, <laughs> it's up to it's, us it's not so cut and dry yeah so gray area let's move on to his research and i'll be totally honest with you guys um i did do some cross-referencing into their work to just see what i wanted to pick based off their work uh, but we're pretty much just using wikipedia for all these guys so for our cited sources credit where credit's due <laughs> thank you wikipedia <laughs> so the center of delgado's research was around the use of electrical signals to evoke responses in the brain he started work on cats but then he later did experiments on monkeys and then moved up to humans which included psychiatric patients, which tend to get the brunt of the stick with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so his his work was with an invention that he called the uh, stimuceiver, a radio which joined a stimulator of the brain waves with a receiver which monitored EEG waves and then sent them back on separate radio, radio channels. 
some of these stem receivers were as small as half dollars. So I imagine like the little like electro electrodes, mm-hmm. like patches, like you see when placed on people for like muscle stimulation. Yeah, um, I've seen that in like therapy work. This might be different, but that's just what I'm picturing. Mm-hmm. Um, These ones are like maybe up here, right? Yeah. So he Jordan pointed to his forehead. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this allowed the subject of the experiment full freedom of movement while allowing the experimenter to control the experiment. Say experiment again. Experiment, experiment, experiment. This was a great improvement from his early equipment, which included visual disturbance in those whose wires ran from the brain to bulky equipment, which both recorded the data and delivered the desired electrical charges to the brain. This early equipment, while not allowing for free range of movement, was also the cause of infection in many subjects. So I imagine it penetrated through the skull to the brain otherwise it, i can't see why it would cause infection yeah um but yeah so people were doing these tests and then getting infections from that which we're talking work probably you know from the 40s to the 70s ish which i think you know in the 40s was the most sterile time for medical equipment we we're definitely making huge advances but is this supposed to be like the beginning of the whole um shock therapy kind of thing no, shock therapy, I, I think it was definitely still going on, mm-hmm. uh, but it had been around for a while Okay, at this point. At this point, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, because that and then um, what's the procedure where they pretty much just scramble your frontal lobe? The, um, oh, man. Right? Come on, Shutter Island. <laughs> what is it called? A transorbital lobotomy. Lobotomy, there we go. All right, so he's hooking these people up to EEG receiving equipment, trying to stimulate the brain to see if he could control their behavior. So he was trying to stimulate emotions and control behavior with these things. And according to him, quote, radio stimulation of different points in the amygdala. I had it up until amygdala. Amygdala? Amyg- maybe? Amyg- yeah, well, I've yes. heard it before. Amygdala. Yes, mm-hmm. amygdala. I feel like Bobby Boucher. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't got Bobby no toothbrush. <laughs> And hippocampus in the four patients produced a variety of effects, including pleasant sensations, elation, deep, thoughtful concentration, odd feelings, super relaxation, colored visions, and other responses. Sounds like fun. Yes. So Delgado also stated that brain transmitters, brain transmitters can remain in a person's head for life. The energy to activate the brain transmitter is transmitted by way of radio frequencies. This just makes me think of like cold, cold war espionage. Like we'll take some people, implant them with these transmitters, send off some signals, make them do what we want. Yeah, they hear something over the radio and they're activated. Yeah. Which isn't saying that's what he was doing. It's just the first thing that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. So Runs along those lines. Yeah. Using the stimulusiever, Rodriguez found that he could not only elicit emotions, but he could also elicit specific physical reactions. These physical reactions, such as the movement of a limb or the clenching of a fist, were achieved when he stimulated the motor cortex. A human whose implants were stimulated to produce a reaction were unable to resist the reaction, and one patient said, quote, I guess, doctor, that your electricity is stronger than my will. Some consider one of Delgado's most promising finds in that area called the septum, which the limbic, which is the limbic region. When this limbic region was stimulated, uh, it produced feelings of strong euphoria. And those strong euphoric feelings were sometimes strong enough to overcome physical pain and depression. So, not too bad. You know, might not be causing assassinations, even though I'm not saying you can't do that. But you can at least overcome some pain with it. Sounds like you can do almost whatever you want. Right, which is kind of freaky. Like, the possibilities. And, th- and we're talking we're talking pretty... We're not still looking into this? <laughs> are we? I don't know. I'm sure we are. Bum, bum, bum. Downside is the experiment, or who he was using these experiments on. Uh, he did some work in what is now a closed me- mental hospital. Um, he chose patients who were desperately ill, quote, desperately ill patients whose disorders had resisted all previous treatments, end quote, in the implanted electrodes and about 25 of them. So about 25 people had these experiments done in mental hospitals. And it's hard because when you have treatments like these that are, these that are coming up, what do you do? Like, I mean, yes, we can do tests on monkeys and other animals, which I'm not also saying is okay. Um, I know people feel very strongly about animal testing. Mm-hmm. 
but it's not like we can just run computer simulations and know if this stuff is going to work. Yeah. So it's like, do we do this treatment and see how it goes, and then we don't know it might turn around and kill somebody because we just shoved something in their brain. I feel like nobody minds the rat testing, but as soon as you get mm-hmm. any bigger than a rat, they're like, nope. Yep. Mm-mm. Yeah, it seems to be how it goes. Yeah. Which, I mean, we act very differently. There's some base things that will translate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's hard because if you don't do this, this could be, because we're, we're sitting here saying that, you know, it, it can cause changes in emotions. It can cause um, uh, feelings of euphoria to overcome pain and things like that, which might be very helpful mm-hmm. to, to various people with disability, mental disabilities. Oh, um, yeah. Well, in pain in general, like if you can mm-hmm. overcome pain receptors, then. Mm-hmm. But it's really that ethical line of because there's the chance, do we try it, but it could kill somebody mm-hmm. or just torture them immensely and they're already in a probably poorly funded mental hospital. What, what do you do? You know, that's where you're kind of going with the good and the bad. And that's kind of just medicine in general. Mm-hmm. So there's always, it always starts with a, with a gray area. That's yeah. For sure, I feel like. Yeah. So his most famous example occurred at a Cordoba bull breeding ranch. Delgado stepped into the ring with a bull which had had a stemosever implanted with its, within its brain. The bull charged Delgado, who pressed a remote control button which caused the bull to stop its charge. Always one for theatrics, he taped the stunt, and you can still see it today. So, yeah, pretty pretty ballsy. I have to look that up. Yeah. So the region of the brain that he stimulated when he pressed the handheld receiver was the caudate nucleus. This region was chosen to be stimulated because the caudate nucleus is involved in controlling voluntary movements. And Rodriguez claimed that the stimulus caused the bull to lose its aggressive instinct. So, again, we're just... It seems like one of those things where it's really cool, has a lot of good uses, but also has just as many bad as it does good. Yeah, and it's already working. Like and it, it already, it sounds like it works pretty well. Yeah, whatever it is he's doing. And, and yeah, so it just really makes you wonder how far it's came that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. But that's Delgado. So plus side, he figured out how to mess with the brain and control like movements and emotions. Downside, he did it on mental patients. And people also got infections from his experiments. But I think brain control qualifies him for... for Potential mad scientist. Mad scientist, yeah. Yeah. Which... would say so. Yeah. Anything messing with free will, I Mm -hmm. would say you're probably... Yeah. You're good in that category. So, cue for all of our young Frankenstein fans like me, watch it every Halloween. It is my favorite movie to watch on Halloween. Cue Frau Blucher. I am Frau Blucher. For the next rest of this episode, we're just going to randomly yell and play that every time. So next we have Sergei Brukhonenko. I believe he's Russian. We'll tell you in just a moment, but I'm just going to call him Sergei for the rest of the show because I can't pronounce his last name, and I already made you guys suffer through the Italian episode with (laughs) Zenfrida, so I'm not going to do that to you again. Dr. Sergei? Sergei. So he was a Soviet biomedical scientist and technologist during the Stalinist era. So not the best time to be doing that. No. And I feel like a lot of people are going to have the most qualms about this guy. We'll see. So Sergei, his research was vital to the development of the open heart procedures in Russia. He was one of the leaders in the Research Institute of Experimental Surgery, where Professor Alexander Vishnevsky performed the first Soviet open-heart surgery operation in 1957. So he was pretty crucial to open-heart surgery. Okay. We're going, we're going to see where the good and the bad comes with this one. Gotcha. So his primary, he's primarily remembered for his development of the autojector, one of the first heart and lung machines. This device was used with, a mix, with mixed results in a series of experiments with canines during the year 1939. Oh, no, mixed results. Uh, yes, and you can even see it in the film Experiments in the Revival of Organisms. While some today speculate that the film is a restaging of the procedures, uh, the experiments themselves were well documented, and it, they for sure happened. There's no qualms about it, and he even received the Lenin Prize for his experiments in this. So Sergey used dogs to test out his machine, which was a heart-lung machine, which you know kept 
your blood pumping and your lungs going during some extreme events, which was intended to keep you going during open heart surgery, essentially so you didn't need your heart so they could work through it and what have you. Um, but in a gruesome show of success, Bruco and Co. Sergey used his device to keep this keep severed heads of dogs alive. When the third Congress of Physiologists convened in 1928, Sergey displayed one of his living dog heads for the international audience. To demonstrate the dog head was actually living, the doctor banged a hammer, shined a light in the dog's eyes, and even fed a piece of cheese to show that the disembodied head would react. So, yeah. He would cut the heads of dogs off, hook them up to his machine, and they would still be alive. That's a real thing? It really happened. Oh, hella no. gruesome. That sounds like a dark Futurama episode. Mm. All those disembodied heads. Oh, my God. That's how they kept Nixon going. <laughs> oh, my. I didn't think that that was possible. Yeah. That so, sounds terrible. It does sound terrible. This like, guy's way worse than the first guy already. Right? Well, I mean, that was his main thing. That's his whole shtick. Okay. Um, so it's kind of hard. I mean... It sucks that he cut the heads of dogs off, but it's really cool that he made that and helped open heart surgery be a thing and give us a heart lung machine. He said it only worked like half the time. I don't know. But he, yeah. I don't know. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying. That's what makes this so hard of a topic is so many of these things are terrible. I think we we can only kind of determine whether it's more bad or more good. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely, he, he definitely like let's give them a scale of how many fabrukas they get. Okay. Uh, uh, is it is more better or let, less? Let's, let's go to one to five. I say the first guy gets probably three fabrukas. <laughs> what do you think this one gets? I, I, well, that's that's a, that's a, that's in the right in the middle. So I don't know what what's good, what's bad. Is five? Bro, five well, no, no, no. Bad? It's like, it's like five stars of terrible. So the worse you are, the more you get. Okay. Oh, then do I would you, definitely do, give this guy at least a four. Do you do you agree? The last one was a three. Maybe a two and a half. Maybe a two and a half. Because there weren't total terrible. There was just terrible possibilities to it. It doesn't sound like the first guy killed anybody specifically. Uh the infections. Well, the infections. Yeah. I would say two and a half. Okay. At least in comparison, because this guy, like, that feels like a whole nother level. Keeping disembodied dog mm-hmm. heads alive. Right. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like a horror movie. Well, and and even touching on that, so a little bit later, there's another another doctor, um, Vladimir Dimikov mm-hmm. in 54, who he did kind of a similar thing where he... <laughs> so he was trying to perfect surgical techniques also on the heart and lung transplants. Uh, and he created a two-headed dog and it's they call it a two-headed dog really he cut like from the back of the front leg of a dog dog off and of a smaller dog and attached it to the neck of a german shepherd and yeah it lived not very long because the tissues of each dog rejected themselves but it lived for a little while so they kept doing experiments on dogs over there all I picture is like every mad scientist. Oh, that's terrible! <laughs> yeah. I just, I just picture like man, if I could talk, it'd just be like, kill me, kill me. Oh God. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Those are terrible pictures. Yep. Don't uh, post those. Don't no, put those on there. I won't. You it, guys don't want to see that. It, it, it'll just make you sad. I mean, at least the other two dogs still look like okay, but oh God. I think they even have a stuffed display of them. Yeah, there's a well, there's a taxidermied example, that so it's not the awful. actual one. Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. So four fablocos. Four, well, at least four. Yeah. This guy's almost four and a half. Yeah. I'm sure there's there's a lot worse, but that's. Which I think now. Pretty bad. I think what they normally do now, and this is purely off my knowledge of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, oh my god! Is actually hold on, hold on, Squatch. Squatch, how do you feel about about what's happening to these poor dogs? Thanks, Squatch. Thanks, Squatch. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not going to be grafting anything onto your neck. Oh, well, yeah, we'd have to find him first, right? What do you mean? He's right here in the studio. Well, with I mean, us. The real, he's at the uh, campfire. <laughs> 
I think what normally happens these days with medical research, as far as experimental techniques, and I know it's not with everything, is um, they'll usually look for terminal patients or likely terminal mm-hmm. patients and get their consent. So, which it, it kind of makes sense. Like if I had an illness and they're like, yeah, we don't have a cure for this, sorry. And then a doctor came up to me and they're like, it might work. I'd be like, I like it might work better than it won't work. Depends on if I'm just ahead at that point. Yeah, things like that go, yeah. But I don't think they would cut your head off. I think that was more of like, let's see how drastic of an experiment we can do mm-hmm. to prove this works. I think it's more of what they would do is more of hook you up to this machine, not just decapitate you. You're talking about the... Uh, With the dog severed head. Yeah, the... Uh, what, did you, what was it? Auto something? Auto... Remember, yeah, the auto ejector. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was... He was just trying to see how extreme he could take it to prove that it worked. Which, I mean, I guess you would want to prove it as much as possible before you start hooking people up to it. But I don't think you should go decapitating dogs. It's kind of crazy how uh, social norms have really... Man, they've come a long way. Because people are doing anything even close to that nowadays. They would be... Well, they would, they just would, they wouldn't even start. Would, I don't, I don't never know be about that, though. I mean, we're also talking about Soviet Russia like for this. And... We don't have any Russian listeners yet, so I'm not terribly scared to say this, but we don't know if they're not doing things like that now. It is Russia, and we don't have a lot of... Well, the common man doesn't have a lot of intel on Russia. I suppose it does depend on where it's taking place. So, yeah, there's... I'm sure we, we got some shady stuff going on, too. Oh, we absolutely in America have some uh, shady stuff going on. But, yeah, I think it depends on where you're at, because we, we tend to want to project our cultural standards for other countries... Mm-hmm. Well, like we won't eat crickets here but you go to other places and they're like what do you mean it's like candy so yeah I'm, I've yet to try a chocolate covered cricket I want to I, I would be up for trying bugs actually I mean I wouldn't I would want to close my eyes I don't want to see it because mm-hmm. that would freak me out but yeah I, I would be I wouldn't try like the worms like, like the that like worms? pop like yeah. new I want like the crunchy come ones. on crunchy yeah <laughs> I feel like the only thing that would freak me out is if like you, you couldn't get it down quick enough and you had like a leg on your tongue because you'd know it was a leg it's like ugh. we're getting off topic so anyway <laughs> oh god now it's time for our final mad scientist of the evening one last final foul broker kevin warwick so kevin warwick was born in 1954 he is a british engineer and deputy vice chancellor at Coventry University in the UK. He is known for his studies on direct interfaces between computer computer systems and the human nervous system, and has also done research concerning robotics. So he's he's still kicking. He's still around. Okay. Um, and he he has the nickname Captain Cyborg, and you'll find out why. I like where this is going. Yeah. So he actually quit school school during 1970 for an apprenticeship with. British Telecom at the age of 16. Uh, During 1976, he was granted his first degree at Aston University, followed by a PhD degree and research job at Imperial College of London. So he has had positions at Somerville College, Oxford, Newcastle University, University of Warwick, and University of Reading. Wow. Reading? Reading? Looks like reading but we're going to go with it uh and then finally he's relocated to the coventry university which he's at during 2014 oh this is pretty uh recent super recent okay so by the age of 40 he had been awarded the dsc degree a higher doctorate by both the imperial college and by the czech academy of sciences prague for his research output in completely separate areas so he's pretty well decorated. So let's go look into his research. I've heard that for like the PhD programs and stuff like that, you can get discredited so easily. Like you have to be putting new content out all the time. Oh yeah. Otherwise, people are like, "What are you doing? Right. What are you doing?" Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of times too, you get sponsored by the universities for mm-hmm. your funding for your research. Yeah. And if you're not regularly submitting, ba- yeah, proving the worth of them funding you, then they're like pulling that funding. It's done. Yeah. So he has done research in artificial intelligence, biomedical engineering, control systems, and robotics. A lot of his early research uh, was in discrete time aptive control. 
He was the first introduced states-based based self-tuning controller. A lot of this stuff is just way over my head, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I'm not very good with computers either, so. No, <laughs> no. Be like, oh, that sounds fancy. Yeah, he's um, had contributions to mathematics and power engineering. So let's look at his AI work. So he investigated the use of machine learning and artificial intelligence techniques to suitably stimulate and translate patterns of electrical activity from living cultured neural networks to use the networks for control of mobile robots. Hence, the biological brain actually provided the behavioral process for each robot. Previously, he had developed genetic and a genetic algorithm named Gershwin, which was able to exhibit creativity in producing popular songs, learning what makes a successful record by listening to examples of previous songs. So he's like training a robot. Like, this is what's got Grammys in the past. Can you make a Grammy song? It's pretty insane. He has very outspoken opinions about the future, particularly with the respect to artificial intelligence and effects on the human species, and argues that humanity will need to use technology to enhance itself to avoid being overtaken by machines. He states that human limitations, such as sensor sensor motor abilities, can be outperformed by machines, and is on record saying that he wants to gain these abilities. Quote, there is no way I want to stay a mere human. Hence, Captain Cyborg. I like his nickname. Yes. I feel like the further... I feel like that's like contradictory, though. He says that we'll be beat out by machines if we don't keep working on them, essentially. But I feel like the more that we work on them and enhance them, the better chance they have of... Yeah, no, it's very shaky ground. I mean, it's cool. But it's... Yeah, it's like, where do you stop? It sounds like what he's more most passionate about is that... Like our bodies have limitations but our brains can surpass that Mm -hmm. so he's trying to surpass that um and maybe even certain things within the brain it's where it gets shaky is like where do you cross that line like when is a when is it too much i mean because it's already that you know we can we can only do things so quickly but you can program a computer to do whatever we can already do quicker and more efficiently but he says that like we have to work on enhancing ourselves through robotics to keep up with it and i just feel like that's a blurred line that's gonna end up being yeah yeah that's where it really gets sketchy like well and it's um, i mean i i get being future-minded forward thinking mm -hmm. and and you see all um the advancements that are being made with technology especially when you're one of the foremost people in this field they're great you're you're seeing where how far the line is going but to see that and then say oh like we're gonna if we don't do something machines are going to take over uh, kind of crackpot theory you're getting into not saying it's not a thing like many people are worried and ai is doing some sketchy things like i think that they've had to shut down uh the ai for google and facebook previously but now, I feel one, like it's most majority of that stuff is like stuff that we've still programmed capacities or or. Well, there's the three laws of robotics. Yeah, and that's that's why I think they've had to. That's why I think I'm I'm almost positive it's Facebook and Google like the AIs were communicating, and they were like, oh crap. Hmm. So that, like they had to like shut that down before they got any farther with it. But yeah. Could you imagine two like communicating? to robots to ai systems communicating no like we're straight i robot territory yeah so let's see let's see even more of why they call him isaac asimov isaac asimov's three rules yeah yeah that guy was a he was great he was a uh visionary yeah let's say okay here we go so the three rules of robot, three laws of robotics. A robot may not injure a human being, mm-hmm. or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Number two, a robot must obey orders given by humans, human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Mm. Number three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So don't kill us. Do exactly what we say unless it's killing us. And you and protect yourself. Yeah, and don't let yourself die unless it's pr- with the first and second. Mm-hmm. So let's see mm-hmm. what this Project Cyborg is that that Warwick 
is is working on. So his colleagues claim that the project Cyborg Research could result in new medical tools for treating patients with damage to nervous system, as well as assisting with more ambitious enhancements. Some transhumanists even speculate that similar technologies could be used for facilitating telepathy. So Project Cyborg is his most famous uh, famous project that he's worked on. Uh, the first stage of his research began in 1998, and it involved a RFID transmitter being implanted beneath his skin, which was used to control doors, lights, heaters, and other control computer-controlled devices based on his proximity. So, like when you get close to your car and you get that car key that like automatically unlocks it, mm -hmm. or, or will push to start, but you have to have the key on you. Yeah, you put that under his skin. So, so is he like? Does he go like this and, and does he like close his hand or something like that? And well, his it, car it, it says by proximity, so I don't know if it's like when he walks in the door, his lights come on, and then when he walks away, they shut off. But I wouldn't, yeah. That would be freaky. Very. So the main purpose of this experiment was to test the limits of what the body would accept and how easy it would be to receive a meaningful signal of the microprocessor through the skin. Because, you know, if it's implanted under the skin, we don't know if the skin itself, how much it would interfere interfere with the waves going back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and also just if our body would reject it in general and cause some terrible infection. I was going to say, there's got to be some kind of... But well, I guess it went off it without in. a hitch, though. Because yeah, to this day, he still has this implanted in him. I need to look up this Warwick. So the second stage involved a more complex neural interface, which was designed and built especially for the experiment by Dr. Mark Gasson and his team at the University of Reading. This device consisted of a brain, quote, brain gate electrode array connected to an external gauntlet that housed supporting electronics. It was implanted on March of 2002 and was interfaced directly into Warwick's nervous system. The electrode array inserted contained 100 electrodes, of which 25 could be accessed at any one time, whereas the median nerve which it monitored carries many times that number of signals. The experiment proved successful and the body produced or and the signal produced was detailed enough that a robot arm developed by Warwick's colleague, Dr. Peter Kerbert, was able to mimic the actions of Warwick's own arm. So that sounds cool. So if you have somebody, it's it's almost like kind of, which I've been super into Spider-Man lately. I know. I but, was thinking Doc Ock. Yeah, it reminds me of like a literal Doc Ock system where like you think it and it does it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty crazy. And we're talking 2002. Well, the applications for that are great. Like just like in the, you know, in the game referencing it, like the, where they started with it, it being potential um, implants and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's great. Sounds great. Beyond that, though, like the neural stuff, I feel like that can mess with you. It, it just sounds like it's such a, which I don't know. I've not seen these procedures, but all of these things sound great. But I feel like there's so much risk involved in the implant in the implant process mm -hmm. that it's like, yeah, we can make you a robot arm that you can think and move it. We might clip the wrong thing and make you permanently paralyzed or kill you. But again, that's me just taking a stab. I don't know for sure. But it sounds a little risky, but mm -hmm. it sounds really cool. So then, by means of implant, uh, Warwick's nervous system was connected to the Internet in Columbia University. So by means of implant, he connected to the Internet, and he was able to control a robot arm in the University of Reading to obtain feedback from the sensors in the fingertips. He also successfully connected to ultrasonic sensors in a baseball cap and experienced a form of extrasensory input. I'm wondering what that means. Extrasensory input. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're just um, like you're receiving sensory information, but not through means of your normal senses. So, like from these electrodes, he's it, it's like you would be able to understand touch through this arm, even though you don't have the nerves to feel that touch. Mm -hmm. Is what I'm taking from it. Oh man! Like I said, way above my pay grade. That's crazy. But it's it's just crazy stuff that's happening. And this dude is implanting this kind of stuff in his own body. That's mm -hmm. just maddening. It's really cool, but maddening. Yeah, you've you've if if nothing else, you have made me want to look all these people up. Made me need to look all these people up. 
So he had a uh, extension to the experiment in which a simpler array was implanted into the arm of his wife with the ultimate aim of one day, one day creating a form of telepathy or empathy using the internet to communicate the signal from afar. It was successful insofar as it resulted in the first direct and purely electronic communication between the nervous system of two humans. Finally, the effect of the implant on Warwick's hand function was measured using the University of Southampton hand assessment procedure. It was feared that directly interfacing with the nervous system might cause some form of damage or interference, but no measurable effect or rejection was found. Indeed, nerve tissue grew around the electrode array, enclosing the sensor. So his body didn't reject these things, it actually accepted it, which makes sense because he's had these things in his body for a little while, so let's study the effects of it, see if it's actually causing damage with you receiving these signals to your nervous system, which makes sense, like overloading it, but he's fine. Also, I'd really like to hear the conversation of him and his wife. Yeah, I want to know, so wait, they're saying that that was the first successful successful trial of nervous system to nervous system of another uh, between people so yeah well, did they have like a conversation did they sh just share a I feeling or i a think thought? it's yeah i think it's just like a general feeling i don't think it was like straight telepathy mm -hmm. but not yet not yet but man i just yeah i really just really wish i could have been a fly on the wall so honey i've got this idea now hear me out I'm going to implant something into your nervous system. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. You like it. <laughs> Squatch, how do you feel about that? Squatch turns up his nose to that kind of idea. Yeah. He believes in nature. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All natural. That's crazy. Yeah. So now we have the final, final thing that we're going to talk about that he created which was a tracking device so he offered to implant a tracking device into an 11 year old girl as an anti-abduction measure the plan produced mixed reaction with endorsement from many worried parents but ethical concerns from children's societies as a result the idea did not go ahead anti-theft rfid chips are common in jewelry or uh, clothing in some latin american countries due to high abduction rate and the company Verichip announces plans during 2001 to expand its line of available medical information implants to be GPS trackable when combined with separate GPS device. Well, I mean, I, can, I can't see that being too different from, like, chipping your pets. Yeah. You can chip your pets and at least, you know, get a location on them. But see, here's the thing, too, is it could work, work backwards. Like, what if somebody could hack that chip? And then now they know where your kid is, and they can go directly to them. Oh, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's the fear. I like the other idea that sounds like is already going, where it's like, instead of shoving this into your body, let's give you this bracelet or this hat, and it's got a chip in that. Mm-hmm. There you go. The, I don't know. I'm not a parent, but that sounds like a much better idea to a parent rather oh, than, than under do, the skin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not being able to control yourself, potentially? Yeah. So on the scale of Faubrookers, I think I give him a one. Because there's not too much... I don't see too much... I feel like he hasn't done a lot of damage as of yet. <laughs> yeah, like there could be mishaps with the implant surgeries. Mm -hmm. um, there could be like the hacking that we discussed earlier, which again, this I am... AI could uprise? Ha hackers are like wizards to me. I don't fully understand it, but it scares me. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't really know how hacking works, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody could hack into this neural system and then your body is under their control. Um, so that sounds bad. But there's not like... Sounds like an activated like sleeper cell kind of thing. Right? That's all I'm saying. It sounds, like, it sounds almost like an expansion on the first scientist that we talked about. Mm -hmm. So Delgado. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm going to give him him one. It's because he got a lot more at his disposal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, one for Abluher. But that's still crazy. Yeah. He has the he has the most potential to, the, to do the most damage, I feel like. He just hasn't done it yet. Very fair point. Because this is... And at least he's doing these experiments to himself, so he's not harming true. other people. Still, it's uncharted territory, I yeah. feel like. I mean... It's charted, but it's rocky. That's for sure. Yeah. 
So that's our mad scientist for volume one. Oh man. I think we started off pretty well. That's a good start. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna get. I mean, I'm sure the next ones are gonna be. <laughs> if we're gonna get into the Nazi stuff, oh my god. There's a lot of. I don't know how to say it, but stupid scientists that I found doing this research. Uh, yeah. We can, so, a, we can do a fun, stupid mad scientist one too. Yeah. There's there definitely is going to be plenty more to pick from. Like there was one I cannot remember the name of him, but he was just adamant about the fact that yellow fever was not contagious to the point where he was finding patients who were who for sure had contracted yellow fever and was um, dumping their pee on him, was drinking their vomit, uh, was having oh them my God. Sp- like just every disgusting thing you can imagine he was just like throw it on me if you have yellow fever none of that is sanitary anyways no you're it's gonna like, contract something exactly if you're not getting yellow fever you're gonna get something else but i mean Sepsis or- he ended up <laughs> not yeah he ended up not getting yellow fever uh but scientists think that that also was because he was doing this with patients who were late stage yellow fever not like freshly contracted mm-hmm. might have contributed to it uh yeah so you have other scientists like that yeah, these three... We'll lump a couple of them in there. We'll lump a few in there, but I think I think these three, Sergey, Delgado, and Warwick, were, were good ones to kick it off with. That's a good start. Yeah. 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 I like the uh, the AI bits, too. Fabulaga! <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm done. I had to get it out. Frau Blucher. So, that does it for me for this week, Jordan. Okay. Um, again, everybody, we need a name for the anonymous squatch. Yeah. Um, we are coming up on our one-year anniversary episode, actually. Yay! I'm really stoked for that. Uh, I can't say, like you hear people say, I didn't think we'd make it a year. I definitely thought we'd make it a year, so I'm not saying that. But I didn't think we'd have the success that we're having in yeah. a year. Uh, and we can really just thank, only thank you guys for that, that you keep tuning in, um, that you are telling your friends, sharing us on social media. We, it's all you guys. We really appreciate that. And we hope you're, that we're, you know, making your chores go easier, making your work day go faster, things like that. But we really appreciate you guys. And um, so we're going to try to do something a little special with our one year. Um, if you can, you can even just use your phone. doesn't have to be anything professionally recorded. But if you'd like to just um, make a little recording, say um you know maybe shout out your favorite episode but um just some kind of callback over the maybe your your favorite part of parts of the show throughout the past year yeah and just email it into us at creepy campfire podcast at gmail.com just maybe introduce yourself be like hey my favorite episode was blank or laugh out loud moments yeah and then just send it into us and we'll play it play it during that special one year anniversary episode yeah which i i think i've got planned out but we're gonna keep it a secret no we're getting it there oh yeah I might. Um, we. I still have one more before that, right? At oh, we've, we've got time. It's not going to be till the end of the end of August. Okay. So that's why I'm kind of giving everybody time now. Which, like I said, it doesn't take long. You can do it on your phone and send it via email, um, in like five minutes, and you're good. Just click that little five star, record your little message, yeah. send it our way. This Which will be on the podcast. That's a good point too. Please take the time to to rate and leave a review for us on Apple iTunes mm-hmm. or any other podcast platform that does reviews. We really appreciate it because that's it's how the algorithms work. It's how people see the show, which is how we get you guys stories like we got you in the last one. You can be as nice or as mean as you want with your words, as long as you click that five. <laughs> it just gets us more visible. Yeah. So on the on the subject of of reaching out to us you guys you can reach out to us anytime for anything me and jordan are always checking that email Um, tell us how you're feeling about the show you can just say hi if you have any personal stories like we gave you guys last week please reach out and tell us so we can tell everybody else we can leave it anonymous um, just like we did on one we can mention your name give you a shout out on the show or we can even call you up and do a little interview and play the interview over here we'd love to do that as well Um, or even if you just want to tell us your story and be like hey please don't read this but we just thought you guys would think it was interesting we're good with that too. email it on over yeah just send it on over and you can reach us again at creepy campfire podcast at gmail.com gmail i'm going to and we got merch if you're loving the show you really want to support the show um we've got we got a merch store i'll include the link on our on our apple itunes and if um you guys for some reason you can't find us our uh our company is Spreadshirt that we go through, so just go, just type in Google "Creepy Campfire Podcast Spreadshirt" and the store should pop up. But if you're having any 
problems with that just just email us and we'll send you the link yeah um get your get your campfire swag man we got we got campfire mugs Those mugs are so cool we got we got shirts we got aprons backpacks shopping bags like we dang near can put everything with our logo on it i need an apron too an apron would be nice yeah you know prime barbecuing season mm-hmm. right now for sure so, so we got we got swag for Represent. you reach out to us rate us share us on your social medias jordan what you got coming up next for us do you know I think I might finally circle back to that. Uh, what is it? M- M- K? MK Ultra. MK Ultra. Ooh. Yeah. We haven't done a conspiracy in a minute, so I'm looking. I was I was thinking about that today. I was like, maybe a conspiracy. So I'm liking that. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm going to do that, and I, and I think I have a requirement that you and I need to watch the Men Who Stare at Goats before we do. This it's episode. on Netflix now. I, it I, is. I I went to start it the other day, and I was like, I'll wait till like I've got a good nothing day. Let's do it. So. We're gonna watch it, and we're just gonna we're gonna reference that the entire time. We're gonna, we're gonna have some laughs, laughs too. Because it is a, it's hard to believe some of the stuff that went on with them. Mm-hmm. So no, it, it's yeah, it's very trippy. I can't wait to get into that because yes. I've heard bits and pieces about it, but not the full story. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna be cool. Have you seen the movie? No. Oh, so good. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely then. Sweet. Oh, and if you guys have any episode ideas, reach out to us. That's the one thing I didn't mention earlier. Uh, we are absolutely down to do anything you guys are suggesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this show is for you guys. We get a lot of enjoyment out of doing it, but we want to give you topics that you want to hear. So if you have any ideas, if you there's something you haven't heard yet, and you're like, man, I'd really like to, to hear Jordan and Ryan goof around with this topic, just send it on over. we got to do another um – uh, urban legend too oh yeah we we gave it a little break because we did them kind of back to back yeah but we'll definitely dive back into urban legend soon another state um, going. so yeah i think that about does it for this one wraps it up that wraps it on nice up. little bow yeah next time guys looking forward to it mm-hmm. getting back into the conspiracies mm-hmm. in the thick of it but until then until then stay, stay toasty, toasty.